Mom, hey, mom he won't leave me Mom, he's picking on me. If you know your party's extension, please dial it now. Houston, we have a problem. Sick of all this complaining <gasps> all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Multitasking in Heels. We have a really interesting guest for you guys today. Joining us for this episode is Nicole O'Neill, who is a soul healer. Nicole helps to guide others on their journey toward healing so they can feel more connected to themselves, have deeper intimacy with others, find more energy, and essentially live a fuller life. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, before we get into your story and what led you to discover your calling as a healer, could you share with our listeners your pump and flat moments of the week? Yeah, I was thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the pump was the beginning of the week. Um, my boyfriend and I went for this really great hike. It was quiet because the the you know everybody's out of town, and um, and then we w- took a walk in the city and had dinner out for the first time since last February. Um, We still ate outside, but it was just Mm -hmm. kind of, that's more his thing. He was really excited to like have a beer and sit and have, you know, a meal somewhere else. Um, And I was really excited about the quiet hike. So it was like the perfect day for both of us. Um, So that was really great and fun. Um, And then I love, well, I did do a lot, my own healing work this week and um, that was a little tough. So I guess that would be a low but I try not to look at those as lows (laughs) because they end up being really great after. Um, But I'd say that was, it was hard. It was emotional and difficult. So I would say that was my low. That's probably how you know it's working, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you're not, you know, pushing yourself, if it doesn't quote unquote hurt or whatever, then it's probably not working. So. Right. It's yeah. It's not an easy journey, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's worth it. (laughs) So my pump was that my, um, son and husband were away this weekend. And so I got a weekend by myself, which was quite nice, um, to decompress and do nothing Mm -hmm. or be on my own time. I should say, cause it wasn't nothing. I, right. Laundry still needs to be done and (laughs) laundry, grocery shopping, getting stuff done around the house, but it was on my own time. And so I got to go have a pedicure and do things on my own. And they were backed up at the pedicure place. And she's like, I'm really sorry. Do you want to come back later? I'm like, I've got nowhere to be. <laughs> Nothing but time. Yeah. <laughs> so I had my book and I, yeah, it was quite lovely and got to watch Netflix and even realized that it was, I have become my mom because <laughs> I watched a movie that I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. And halfway through realized I had already, already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> And when I was younger and my mom used to do that all the time, I'm like, how could you do this? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you not know you watched this already? Mm-hmm. So that was a great pump moment. Um, my flat was that my dad uh, was back in the hospital again this week. Um And being that he is stage seven of Alzheimer's, you never know if it's going to be the end end. And my mom was a wreck this time. So my brother and I weren't sure if it was the end end. And so we were on call all weekend to see if we were flying out or not. And basically, my mom got really scared by a doctor, which is never great when there's bad info from a medical person. Um, But he's decent now and in sort of recovery and back at his place. So at least that's good. Yes. I know. Yeah. Thank goodness it all ended that, but like, I can't imagine just the emotions of like being not, you're physically so far away and trying to help your mom and your, your own feelings about it and all that. So it's very, yeah. Very overwhelming. uh, Yeah. And my, um, I felt the worst for my mom because she was a wreck and she's usually super strong. And so I, my brother and I were like, I'm like, something's up. Mm -hmm. So that was tough. What about you? So my pump moment, ladies, this week, and we've talked a number of times on this 
uh, podcast, Nicole, that Lindsay and I are getting on in years. And um, what happens when you're in your mid to late 40s, certain things just start to fall apart, your vision being one of them. And so we've laughed a lot about like having weird readers and like I have them stashed all over my house and in my car and in my purse and like can't read a menu at a restaurant, this, that, and the other thing. So I had my annual physical, which was really delayed probably by six months because of COVID, but I went to see my eye doctor and I was telling her, I was like, this is getting worse. And so she's like, all right, well, how about this? And she puts like the lenses in front of my eyes and she's like, is this better? Is this better? Is this better? And so we went through the whole exercise. She's like, all right, I'm going to give you these contacts, try this prescription and tell me, you know, in a few days, call me back and tell me what you think. Ladies, miracle. I mean, Lindsay, do you notice something different about me? I'm yeah, not I wearing noticed. any readers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So she lowered my prescription in one eye and, and increased it in the other eye. And I have not worn a pair of readers since I left that woman's office. So are you like wow. this? Like one no. eye is like really good at it's doing like close-up and one eye is really good at throwing. Like balance each other out. <laughs> yes. Whatever she did is giving me like well, a little pass to luckily, bifocals. <laughs> luckily you and I have the same eye doctor. Yes. So she's amazing. hopefully she's, she's going to do the same amazing. thing for me. And my husband is so mad because like we used to share readers and it'd be like, you took the ones I like and blah, blah, blah. And so he's like, I can't believe because like because I'm like, it's like a whole new lease on life. I don't have to yeah. worry about like, oh no, I'm not going to like, now receipt. you're looking younger and I'm looking older. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that was my pump moment. Very shallow, but I'll take it. Um, my flat moment. So my oldest son and Nicole, he's 13, just for your reference, is really giving us like a, a run for our money these days and the attitude department and the talking back and the you know, just combativeness and all that. And so last night, like was no exception and things like came to like a boil where he was just saying these things that I was like, if he doesn't leave this house, I'm going to have to, leave. it was just bad. It was just a really bad argument, but it was, and it happened right before I had to put my little ones to bed. So I have nine-year-old twins. So it was right before their bedtime. And I'm like, all right, all right, guys, it's time for bed. You've got camp in the morning. And my little guy was like, no, I'm not going to bed now. And like that moment just sent me over the edge. And I was like, I was at this simmering pot of anger and it just boiled over. And I totally snapped at him. Undeserved, completely undeserved. It was like this transference of right. anger you were mad that he did not the older one. deserve. Exactly. So then he started crying and he refused to let me in his room to put him to bed. And I was still pissed. Like, and so I just went back downstairs. I'm like, these kids, blah, 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 you know, and I like just sat down on the, on the love seat. And I like deep down, I knew I was the wrong person and I handled the situation horribly. Um, and eventually my husband came downstairs and he said, you know, Brady's still crying. He's not letting me in his room. He says he only wants to talk to you. And I said, oh, okay, that's good. So I went upstairs and, and he's like an old soul. So he was like, you, he's like, you didn't have to do that, mom. I didn't do anything wrong. And so when your nine-year-old is giving you like life yeah. advice, you know, that you've got to probably do yeah. some work on yourself. So, and I was like, you're right, buddy. I was taking my anger out on you and I'm so sorry. And I shouldn't have done that. And we cuddled and snuggled and, you know, talked to his stuffed animals for a little while and whatever. And, and it ended up being totally fine, but it's just like, so that, so it, and that episode ended up being fine. But later on, you know, I came downstairs and was just reflecting on everything. And like, I ended up, I cried for a little while about how poorly I handled the situation because it's not an isolated incident. It happens in our, in our house and whatever. And I'm just like, been a mother for 13 years now. And I'm like, what am I going to get right? Or when am I going to know like what to do in what situation? Because like the older our kids get, the more complicated the situations yeah. become. And we're expected to just know how to handle them. And, and sometimes they get it right. And a lot of times they get it wrong. So it's very hum humbling all the time, you know, cause to just know that you're so fallible, you know? So yeah. that was my that was my little flat moment, but my little guy and I, we, we did okay afterwards and you know, and he he's is all right. Sweet <laughs> he is. He is. <sighs> I'm so, sorry to hear about the flat moments. I first, I just want to say my grandmother had Alzheimer's. So I, I feel that for you. I understand what that's like. So, um, that's really tough. Yeah. And, um, as somebody who was, I'm not having kids. <laughs> I'm 41 now and I've made that decision about five mm -hmm. years ago. Um, but I was a nanny for a long time. And so I was with a lot of moms and I always said like, 
I went to school for education. I learned how to do things with kids. I had a lot of kids in my family that I helped take care of. I was like, most parents are just kind of, it's like getting thrown to the wolves. Like you're just thrown in there and you have to try to figure it out on your own. So like, I'm always like, have some compassion for yourself. Like, I know it's so true. And we, and then we share stories and we're all going through the same thing at the same time, trying to navigate how to address certain situations, when to address certain situations, how honest to be. And it, and it's, there's no real right answer. And sometimes it depends on the kid too. Like how much could your kid handle, you know, like my oldest can handle things that are very straightforward. I don't know that my younger two can. So it's just figuring out that whole balance. And there's like, you said, like, there's no textbook. It's not black and white. It's just mm-hmm. figuring out as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And as you said, too, is that like being around other people and as you said, being in education and knowing like that you've been helping other people raise their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We always go to other people that have done this before. And my business partner has three kids, their young, her youngest being a 13 year old who is our oldest. And so I'm like, please tell me that this isn't what happened or <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> what did you do with this? And she's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And so it makes me yeah. feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll also um, add that now that I do the work I do, I'm very interested in knowing like, because like you said, every kid is different, right? Every person is different. And, but there are certain personality traits that are at the core of us that we can actually find out. And it helps. Like I know some parents who are using that and it really helps them like not only see what's showing up for themselves, but also how to relate to that kid because of his or her like actual core personality and energy type. Mm-hmm. So it's that's, really interesting. That's super interesting. Cause yeah, you said that you do, um, a lot of work on the inner child. Mm-hmm. So that goes right back to that. Right. Yeah. It all ties yeah. together. Yeah. And <laughs> they're, they're your biggest mirrors. Your kids are going to be your oh. mirror. And- <laughs> I, know, I said to someone once the worst thing I've ever, or one of the worst things I've experienced as a parent is seeing my worst quality come out in my child. And I've seen it. I've seen his, my oldest has my temper. He, the way he reacts to things is the way I react and reacted as a child to things. And I'm like, Oh dear God, I, I, I wanted to pass along my sense of humor, but instead I pass along my toxic temper, you know, oh, but so your daughter so got your sense of humor. She did. And your sass. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, well, we are super excited, like we said, to have you here. And if you can give us just a little bit of, and our listeners, a little bit of background on yourself, because how we found you actually was because of my business partner that found you on, I think, Business Women in Boston or something, because you're a photographer or you were, you are still first. And then you came into healing, which we'll get into the story of how later, but just give us a little bit of your personal career, your sisterhood, um, wounds piece. And, um, as women, how we need to come together. Cause Liz and I are really big on that as well. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I became a photographer about 11 years ago, um, through my twenties, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was a nanny and I had other jobs and I, I just had no direction. And, um, and I had had a few kind of significant traumas. I actually took care of my grandmother instead of going off to college. I took care of my grandmother who had Alzheimer's for many years. Um, I went to like community college during that time. I always wanted to help people. Like I wanted to do psychology. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to just like help. And then because of taking care of her, I ended up having to put my schooling on hold. Years later, I went back and I went back for business because that was more practical and that's what I should do and, um, and hated it. And then the, I believe things happen for a reason. And so I got in a really bad car accident. Um, when I was in that program and literally couldn't sit through class um, because I had um, issues with my neck. And so I 
was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and so it, it gave me some valuable information for owning a business someday. Um, but I sort of was like, what do I want to do? And I was like, I still really want to help people. And there's something about kids, like there's something about reaching kids. And so I went back to school to be a teacher. And I, as I was coming to the end of that program, I had already been doing photography as a hobby for years. And then I started to kind of test it out as a business and decided that that's where I wanted to go, that I didn't want to be sitting in a classroom. I still felt this pull to help and teach in some way, but doing photography and making my own schedule and all of that was so appealing. And I loved taking pictures. So, um, so I went that route. I made every mistake possible <laughs> in having a business. Um, and so I, I was doing that for years. Um, and then I won't say specifically because I know we're going to talk about this later, but something big shook my world and um, it really led me deep into healing and it brought about, it wasn't just about healing from that specific experience. It was about healing everything that <laughs> had ever happened. And, um, and so I also at that time realized, you know, I couldn't sustain myself on the business I had built because I wasn't charging enough. And I wasn't, you know, there's just so many like the, the mistakes I made instead of doing um, it the way I should have. And so I started to actually do business coaching for photographers, for women, for female photographers. And I realized as I was working with them that I could go over what they should charge and how much money they wanted, not needed, wanted um, as much, you know, and I could, I could sit with them and do that and make them really familiar with their numbers. And, but if I didn't work on all the stuff underneath that, they were never going to get anywhere. And so I found myself going deep with them into stuff from their childhood, things around money and security and safety and, um, and self-worth. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, this, this is where the work happens. Like you can get a business coach and you can do that stuff. But I have been wanting to help people my whole life. I'm extremely empathic, like an empath times like 10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I feel people's energy. I work with people's energy. And through my own journey, I saw how powerful it was to do that work on that level. And so um, I decided that should be the direction I go. And then you know, a pandemic hit. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do photography. And um, some people did still did photography, but I was very careful um, because my parents are really high risk and um, decided that it just wasn't the thing to do. Um, and at the same time, I was working with my own coach and I was like, I feel like there's a reason for this. Just like I think everything else has happened to me. There's a reason like I, this is the direction I should be going. And it was like screaming at me. <laughs> and so in this last year, I've been building this um, business where the focus really is on healing all of the stuff underneath. And um, I work with, like you said, inner child with our mother wounds, which doesn't matter how great of a relationship you have with your mother. Everybody has mother wounds, too. <laughs> um, um, we're going to talk about this later, but past life traumas, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much there. And um, and then this spring. I, I'm also big on community and bringing people together. And because I work with women, um, I started to really unpack the sisterhood wound. So the sisterhood wound is basically just a result of the patriarchy <laughs> that we've been living in for how long now? I'm so bad at like history and figuring out how long things have been happening, but for a very long time. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it's basically, and it shows up for everybody. It's not, it doesn't just show up for women, but it's the way especially, that especially women are identified as like manipulative, really competitive, that we're really judgy and critical um, comparing ourselves. And not only in how we feel people are doing that to us, but how we're doing it. And when you start to like really pay attention, you're like, I am, I am doing this stuff or I have at some point. Right. right. Um, and it shows up in all different types of relationships. Um, and, and also it blocks us from being fully ourselves and fully authentic with other women. Right. Like we have to like put up this facade. Um, and even in I, I, your moms, like even in moms groups, you know, it's so great that moms groups have become so 
prevalent, like they're everywhere and it's wonderful because moms need a lot of support. <laughs> but I was, as a nanny, I was part of some of these groups because I would get, <laughs> I would get sent to the, <laughs> to the play groups <laughs> and stuff instead. Um, and there was a, like a lot of this stuff going on and I oh, like flashbacks yes. to that. And it uh, still is it. like, we completely yeah. agree. We yeah. didn't really like, we weren't able to really find each other. I would say until after they got out of. Yes. Yeah. Like until preschool. Kids, exactly. Exactly. Because I think there was probably, I would say too much of the judginess yes. going on. Comparing. And, and mm-hmm. you didn't really know who you could trust and bring yes. into your circle. Right. So like, you were always like, like I always thought Liz was cool and I knew <laughs> she was probably my people, but I was like, I don't know. She right. likes that person. And I don't know if that person's in my circle, yeah. you know? And, and it's like, you want to, you want to surround yourself with people you can be authentic and honest with. Like yeah. I can say to Lindsay, you know, my kids are driving me crazy yesterday and I wanted to leave and just, you know, just call the police station and be like, Hey, you're going to have to check on them yeah. <laughs> because I'm out, you know, like, and some people would look at me like, you're a monster, you know, yeah. whatever. Yep. But like, or ju- and I'm like, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> you're and like, Oh, I had that. that and, I last week. Have one. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been a times three. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, and it shows up, it shows up in our fam- family relationships. It shows up in the way that even I give the, I gave this example in a workshop I did recently that was um, when it comes to relationships. So when we think of like the, when we, when people talk about like cheating, like, or distrust of somebody, you always hear people be like, well, I don't trust, I don't trust other women around my partner or, well, I trust you. I don't trust these other women. Like I've heard people say that and I'm like, wait, is it that you don't trust the other women or you don't trust your partner? (laughs) Or why is it put on the other women? Like, why are they the ones that are, that you don't trust? And it's just built into us and the way that, you know, and you can see how, you know, misogyny plays out in, (laughs) in all of this. Um, And so the key is like, you know, there's a lot of things underneath that. There's a lot of things that, you know, can can relate to um, how we're judging other people, you know, and the way that we were raised and and what happened to us and our experiences. And there's a lot of different different ways you can look at it. But I truly believe that there is a level that can be healed between us so that women can actually come more together and collaborate and stop feeling like they have to compete against each other. They Mm -hmm. have to judge each other or feel judged um, and really be their true authentic selves because we are the nurturers and the healers. (laughs) Like that's, that's what we are. And so if we can do that, we can truly see change in the world. I mean, it's, it's not an understatement to say that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. More and more like, we can have real true sisterhood, even in, you know, it starting small and just growing it, um, mm-hmm. it can really make a huge difference. So agreed. Can you define for, so for our audience's benefit, can you define the term soul healing or what you mean by soul healing? Cause I think a lot of, um, people are familiar with coaching from whether it's a life coach or a business coach or, you know, traditional therapy. Can you just talk a little bit about how soul healing is different from, from yeah, those absolutely. things? Um, so sometimes it sounds a little woo, but I also think that if you look at all the religions and everything, this doesn't mm-hmm. actually sound <laughs> woo, yep. but our souls come here. Our souls come to earth and live in these human bodies. And the way I like to describe it is we're trying to align your soul with your human experience. So um, your soul has lived many lives, has had other experiences, and then decides, makes a choice to come here to have this experience, whether that's to heal from past lives and and work through that or to serve in certain ways and help the other people here. Um, you know, there's all different ways that our souls are come here and what they came here to do. Uh, but we have all these wounds from past lives from this life that sort of get piled on top. Um, so I think of it sometimes as like a, like there's like a light inside of us and all of those experiences, those traumas, that conditioning sort of covers that light and it's just layers and layers and layers and layers. And 
when we get in there and we identify like, okay, why do you have anxiety or why do you get really overwhelmed sometimes? Or why do you disassociate or all of these different things? We start to go deeper and connect into past lives or um, childhood or any of those things and heal it from soul level. So that in my work, I do some Reiki. I also do um, these deep healing meditations where there's like a whole process of identifying a root cause of something. And then um, I call it forgiveness or letting go of it (laughs) Um, and working through that so that the patterns they don't necessarily stop repeating. That's something that people need to know. Like, you're not going to just clear something out once and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm good forever. <laughs> like, I'm good to go. <laughs> think about how long these things have been sitting inside right, of us. Right. And so it takes some work. The good thing is that you start to recognize it um, mm-hmm. once you keep going. And so healing at soul level is beyond just what you are doing with your mind and thinking, you know, and that's why I always say like positive thinking can't get you there. (laughs) It's just not going to work. And so you really need to get in deep because there's not just stuff from this life. There's stuff from past lives Mm -hmm. that you're still carrying that really need healing so that you can really step into your most empowered self. You can be in your your most deepest joy and know what your purpose is here, whether that's in life, in work, whatever it is. And then you know, I mean, what's the point of being here if we're not? Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that you said this and I'm going to get a little woo. <laughs> but, and this is not a story that I already told you or you at all. Oh think. my goodness. And, um, I went to this lady where I used to live and we call her Mrs. Miyagi because <laughs> she's a soul healer, Reiki. She does everything. And I, had a best friend for a very, very long time that we just like fell apart. And I was like, I don't know why, like, you know, I don't, was it something she did? Was it something I did? And we just kind of like fell apart. And she said to me that in another life, I was her mother and that I sold her on the streets. And I was like, what a terrible person you are. I know. And I was like, oh, wow. And like, at first I was like kind of laughing about it. And then I would like, I took, I took away a lot from that and went and worked out and then took a hot tub and was like, <laughs> and had a big glass of wine. <laughs> and was like, holy crap, there's so much to unpack there. And I like took apart our relationship a bit and was like, wow. Was it she always resenting you during your friendship or yeah, a lot? Okay. A lot. Interesting. And so, and I was like, okay. And I just, I've also been told that I'm on this earth plane to learn to let go of things. Mm-hmm. And that is my life lesson this this time around. So I'm trying my best on that. And I was like, shit, I really. Did you ever tell her that? I don't, I didn't. Mm -hmm. If she, her mom listens to this podcast. So Jeannie, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, so I just, I felt horrible because if that is the case, like, because They also say, and you can tell me, Nicole, if you Mm -hmm. believe in this too, is that souls travel in packs, like um, that some souls, when you find each other again, that you might've traveled before in other lives. And that's why her and I were so close and she's like in another life a long, long time ago, um, you needed money. And so you sold her on the street. Oh like, my God. You human trafficked yeah. your daughter. The worst thing in the world. Yes. And so, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Just to tell you, so souls, yes. Yeah. Souls come back. Um, together. Sometimes you're meant to meet other souls who are both. You're like, I have some people that I know I've had past lives with that or we've lived in the same place. There's different um, ways they play out, but, um, and we're all healers and we're kind of doing things to work together and form community. And so there's that where you're supposed to come together with souls from your past. And then there's like yours where literally it's like, 
it's like, okay, now it's time to heal this, this thing that happened before. And so I would be interested if you end up, if she finds out and what conversation could end up happening because of that, because not only together could there be healing, but also you in forgiving yourself for that. Because even though you could think about it rationally right now and be like, yeah, I forgive myself for that. That was awful inside in your soul. Like it could still be playing a pattern there. So yeah, it's Mm -hmm. interesting. Oh my gosh. I felt horrible for a long time after that. I was Mm -hmm. like, how can somebody do that? Like, especially me to her, like, you know, like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would never do that to you. Don't sell me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about your, your story as it relates to the Boston marathon and, and, you know, what you did afterwards to help people with their healing journey based on your experience? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so when I mentioned earlier, there was something that kind of shook my world. That was it. (laughs) Um, and again, I'm, a okay, for me in my life, I was supposed to be there. Um, I planned on going and then actually wasn't going to go. And then last minute decided I was going and I ended up being like finding a parking space right near the finish line and all the things. Right. So, um, I ended up (laughs) a bunch of different things that happened, synchronicities, but I was at the finish line and then decided that I would walk down to, um, a store to visit a friend. I had somebody else with me and on our way back, I felt we were heading back to the finish line and I felt a physical, it was like a, it was physical. It wasn't just like, Hey, I should stop here. There was something that happened, like almost like I was, I was stopped. (laughs) And as I looked to the side, it was very crowded. There a space like cleared (laughs) in the, like right up at the barrier. And so I was like, Oh, like we should stop here. And even though I felt that there was just something like, I just kind of went with it and was like, okay, there's a spot here. Let's just stand here. Um, And it was minutes before the first bomb went off to my left. And, and it's funny because it was obviously a lot of chaos, but there were people yelling, like, it's just an electrical issue. It's an electrical explosion. And I said out loud over and over again, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. And, and then everybody started running the other way. And, and I went to go that way. And the friend that was with me stopped me and we were facing, well, I was facing that way and watch the other one go off. I was very lucky to be just out of the zone where I could have gotten physically injured. I had some ear issues, but, um, you know, nothing physical. And so that was really tough. It was, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to, to process. Um, I ended up with, um, very severe anxiety, um, bouts of depression, everything. Um, But there was something that happened within that first week. At the end of the week, I had my first really like scary panic attack. Um, My family had talked me into going out to eat. I didn't want to go out to eat for lunch. And um, I ended up having to leave the restaurant. I was right down the street from my house. And I knew a girl that lived like a street away that had PTSD. And so once I was like coming off of the panic attack. I was sitting on some steps um, behind this building and I texted her and she came to help me out. And she said, well, you're going to live with this forever, but you're just going to learn to manage it. And I heard very clearly this voice that said, no, that's not my story. And I didn't say it out loud, but I heard it. And it was so clear And it was like, at that moment, I was like, okay, this isn't my story. Like, no, I can, I can move past this. And I will say there were ups and downs. There were moments that that didn't feel like it was going to happen. Um, And I shook, I shook every day. So like, I'm very in tune to people whose leg shakes, (laughs) you know, how people's like leg bounces up and Mm down. Um, Because it's energy, it's anxiety and it's energy trying to move its way out of you. And mine was, as I was interviewed by the Globe around the first anniversary, and they described it as a jackhammer. And that's what it was. That's like the speed it was at all of the time. (laughs) And so that lasted for about a year and eight months. And so in that time, I realized after I had that moment with that voice, I was like, okay, I have to deal with this. Like I have to, I have to hit it from every angle. I have to 
you know, I can't just, I found a trauma therapist, but I was like, but this isn't the only thing I have to do. I'm not going to just go sit and talk about it. I have to do other things. And so my friend was a very gifted healer. And so I got constant (laughs) healing sessions from her. She lived down the street so I could call her in the middle of a panic attack and go get some healing work. Um, And then I went deep spiritually and started to really unpack things that were showing up from like my childhood and just facing all of that. And then I joined support groups and I found other people who had been in big events or situations like that. And so it was like, I call it my team of support. And I think that that's like really important, even within the spiritual community, if you're doing a lot of spiritual work that you can work with multiple people that offer different things. And it's really powerful because they all work together. And so um, about a year and eight months after uh, I went, my friend who's a healer was, had learned this new healing technique. And she was like, come over, I want to do this for you. And I went over, usually the healings were very calming. Maybe they'd be emotional, but they were very calming. And I went into a full pan, what I thought was a panic attack in the middle of it. And I passed out. And she said, you passed out and you were like really still shaking, but I knew I had to keep doing what I was doing. She was like, and literally I like, it's like I felt and saw like just energy move out of you. And I was calm. And I woke up and felt maybe the calmest I've ever felt in my life. I swore like I was like, I've never felt this before. Wow. And I stopped shaking. Was your friend scared? She was at first. She was like, I thought you were having a seizure. a new tech, right? I would be like, what did I do? Luckily, she's been in so many, she's been, she's been doing healing work for so long that it didn't really like scare her. But she, at first she was like, I thought you were having a seizure. Then I realized you weren't. And then I realized I just had to keep going. Like I just, there was something telling me like, just keep yeah. going. And, um, you know, I'll say that like the whole time that was going on leading up to that. And then, well, actually I'll share it. There's a coffee shop that I used to go to every day in Charlestown. And the guy that owns it is like from Charlestown. And I never would have expected him to think this way or say this, but he came out of the back. I, I was, I, everyone knew that I just shook that I sat there and shook all the time. And so he came out and he said, part of me wants to like tape your legs to the chair. So maybe that will like calm your legs. But then I think your arms would start shaking. I'd have to tape your arms and your head might shake. Like that would be weird. And he said, but you know what I realized? He said, I think that what you're shaking because there's something that needs to move out of you. And so you should just keep shaking as much as you need to until it's gone. And I was like, that's exactly what I feel like. It feels like that. And because I'm like, I'm an empath. My, my, my spirit guide, I won't yeah. to go too far no, into, but my spirit, I, gu- my main spirit guide says yeah. I, I'm like a human barometer and that I absorb like inner, everything, everyone's pain, physical pain, emotional pain. I absorb it. And so it's really, it's hard for me to go into like crowded places. It's, it gets a little bit easier when I prepare myself. But, um, so what I think happened is I just absorbed all of that. I absorbed everyone's pain and fear and all the chaos around me. And then it just was in me and it didn't have a way to get out. Like I was doing some healing work, but it wasn't, it's like, I wasn't fully aware of how to get it out. So it just kind of was, was in there (laughs) and then it it built up. So it just kind of all came together and, and then needed to be, needed to be taken out. (laughs) What kind of, um, healing technique did your friend use on you? Was it just, was it Reiki or some form of Reiki? It was, it was like, it was like Reiki times 10. Like it was, it was similar to Reiki in the way that she did it. Like you would, you would think it was Reiki, um, but it was something more intense. Um, It was called a life activation. Yeah. Wow. Um, And I've heard a lot of people have some pretty significant things happen in those sessions um, afterwards. <laughs> I didn't know anything about them before. I just always trusted her and she always, you know, came through and she certainly came through for that. Um, how many years ago was that for you? So that okay. was like right, at, right at the beginning of December. So okay. it had been about a year and eight months of shaking. <laughs> wow. It must've been exhausting, Nicole. Like it was exhausting. It yeah. was, I can't even imagine. Yeah. 
it was exhausting. It, cause it was constant. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I kept thinking, I feel like this leg should be like super skinny. Like, is that not how it works? Like, burning like, calories all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that how this works? Like, I feel like there should be some benefit to this happening all yeah. the time. Um, and you went down to funny, Orlando, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I did. Yeah. So, well, one thing I was just going to say is that people would try to stop it especially new people. And I would say, you know, don't stop it because it builds up. Like, so Mm -hmm. when that energy is trying to release, um, and this is for anything, when you feel like an energy trying to get out is to not try to stop it or hold it in because it will just build up in your body. Yeah. So, um, I couldn't do that. Um, so after that, (laughs) I knew that, I really wanted to help other people. We had had people come help us. Some wounded um, vets had been really instrumental in all of our healing. And so, and then in 2016, that was the first time I went back to my, the spot I had been standing in. And I stood there with zero anxiety in the crowd and felt peace. Um, And then about a month, not a month later, a couple of weeks later, we were in um, down spending time with people in Sandy Hook um, and visiting their resilience center. So we were starting to really connect with people, um, other people who had been through major traumatic events. And then once the Orlando shooting happened, um, so it was on a Sunday. And the next day I reached out to two friends. One One lives in Florida and one lives here. And they're both Boston Marathon survivors. And so I said to them, like, shouldn't we go? Like... (laughs) people came and helped us. Like, I think that we can go and we can help here. And so I contacted, I have, um, I have people that I know at city hall. And so I reached out and, uh, they, it just so happened that the, um, guy I reached out to one of his employees used to work in the Orlando mayor's office. And so we got hooked up and, um, and we went down and it was a whirlwind few days, but we met with survivors that were still in the hospital we met with survivors who were out of the hospital that were really struggling. Um, I still keep in touch with all of them to this day. We met with, there were a lot of therapists and social workers and community members that wanted to meet with us to just ask questions and like get a sense of like what was ahead. And so that was really powerful. And then we got to, we went back about a month and a half later again to meet with some more people and just to like kind of check in with the people that we had already met. And that was, it was really powerful to just be able to use what we went through to help others who are going through because it doesn't matter what the type of traumatic event is when it's at that level it's all it all plays out the same like each person has their own timeline and their own ways that it shows up but there's so many similarities that it's you know you can go there and and help them so that's amazing Uh, when you say we were was it you and your other like healer friends that no went. it was it was other uh, marathon survivors so okay we had a group of seven or eight maybe eight of us the first time that went down so there was a range of people there was one of the women who lost both of her legs and and then a few people that were injured and then myself and a couple other people who was more like the invisible in- injuries so yeah mm-hmm. so it was good it was really helpful to especially when we went into the hospitals the people who were more seriously injured could really you can kind of relate to somebody who's really who had a serious injury from you know their event so wow so nicole lindsay and i both read the book many lives many masters we know a lot of people think that that's like woo woo as well um although i found <laughs> it very interesting and insightful um, as someone who was just sort of learning about past lives and, and how what we've experienced in our past lives we take into the present. Um, is there Was there a pivotal event that helped you come forth as a soul healer? Was there something that you realized like, oh my gosh, this happened to me in the past and I'm still dealing with it today? Yeah. So funny enough, it came, there was something that came through more after I decided I was doing this. So obviously, all the things I've already talked about led me to want to help people heal on this level. Um, but in this last year, actually, I had a past life came, come up where I realized why I was resistant to actually play, being in this role. 
And that was because I had, I have two past lives. One was as a healer and I was hung for it. I did a hypnosis and it was a very difficult (laughs) session. And funny enough, I actually then was thinking like, I have a thing with things being this shirt right now, actually. Sometimes I was going to say, I'm like, is that too high of a neck on you? Mm -hmm. It's not now because I've done, but before I could never wear something like this. Wow. I scarves, I had to have like loose, like they, I felt like I was suffocating with Mm -hmm. anything that was around my neck necklaces. I had to like, they have to be long. And so then there was another, (laughs) so I was like afraid to help people heal. And then also another past life came through that came through multiple times in different ways and in different, um, like one was just in a meditation. I sat here in my house doing, and then it also came up in the hypnosis, was training to be a monk and making a vow that this wasn't actually what the interpretation of the vow was supposed to be, but it was basically like, you're supposed to save everyone. And then I, and then it brought me to the end of that life and I didn't save everyone. And I still, I still feel like emotional about it when I say it. And so it's like, well, you can't, you can't do this because you have to save everyone and you're not going to be able to save everyone. So you're going to fail. And So I had a lot to work through with that. And I was like, no, but this is, I'm here for this. And I'm also here to heal that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I, when we first started talking and I've told Liz this too, is when that I've had a psychic tell me about past lives before. And the only one that's really stuck was one that crossed over multiple avenues of my life this life. Mm -hmm. And it was that my father was from Barbados, which was very weird because the first time I ever stepped foot in Barbados and the only time I knew exactly where I was, I knew what streets I was on. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, how do you know where you are? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I was 17 years old. I've always uh, had a weirdness with San Francisco and no one's ever known that because we lived close to San Francisco and that's where our relatives were. And everyone's always like, oh, San Francisco is so great. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And uh, I was stabbed there. And so that might be why I had a weirdness with it. And I've always had a, and I, had a problem with where I was stabbed, which is where I have an ulcer situation. And then uh, I was a gypsy on the street while I was doing this. I have, I have a problem with being poor and on the streets. Apparently I, can I have a life where I'm really rich? Queen of Versailles. This is your life. This is your life to just be prosperous (laughs) and abundant. There we go. There we go. Abundance. I love it. (laughs) And um, I've always had a fear of short men, not little people, little people, but short men and a short man stabbed me. So this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when she told me this, I just sat and stared at her and she's like, yeah, I had a feeling that this one would resonate <laughs> with you. And that's why I told you it. And she goes, I, I don't usually tell people their past lives unless it, I have a feeling it's going to resonate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just sat there and was like, I think I was like 18 years old. Wow. And I came and my mom's like, you know, we went to the psychic lady once a year and my mom's like, Rosie doesn't do past lives. I'm like, Oh yeah, she does. Apparently Carol doesn't have any interesting past <laughs> <Yeah>. lives. <laughs> Carol doesn't. So I was like, mom, Listen to this. That's wild. Yeah, it was wild. Very crazy. So, Nicole, when you first, you know, meet with people, do do people come with any misconceptions about what soul healing is or what they're going to get out of it that you sort of have to redirect or, you know, anything that they're expecting to get out of it that you say, no, 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 that's more like traditional therapy or, or any like kind of misconceptions you could I haven't personally had anybody that comes with them, but I can tell you a few that I see. Um, So in the spiritual community in general, in the soul healing community, um, there is kind of, it's kind of divided. So there's one side that's, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing. So it's like that kind of toxic 
positivity. Like, well, you just need to think more positive and talking about those things. And then also, well, you're responsible for everything that happens to you. And while in a, in a sense, that's true, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and it doesn't help people to want to, um, to heal. They just blame themselves. Right. Um, and it also doesn't take into account the very real issues of like systemic racism and other things that, you know, there are actually things that are kind of keeping people away from having opportunities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then socioeconomics, like, yeah. you know, there's so many that. things that, you know, people don't have access. Um, so it's sort of, and then, the, and then there's also this part that's like, I don't, I hate this word now, but it's used all the time, ascension, because then they, it's like, like I said, our souls are here to have a human experience. And the best thing we can do is align them together. But a lot of people kind of see this ascension as like, I'm rising above to this level. And then the other people are just staying down here. And like, I don't, I don't very much do not agree with that. And so many people don't. So those are kinds of things that like, if you see those things are kind of red flags, there's two sides to this. So that it that you might think it's more easy, or you might think it's too hard. So thinking it's too easy is like, oh, well, I'll just go get some Reiki. And then I'll that'll heal my stuff. Like, no, it's not gonna not gonna work. Number one, you're putting the power in someone else's hands when you're the one with the power, and you can uncover your ability to move through things and heal things on your own with support from others. Um, and so it's not as easy as just going and getting some Reiki <laughs> and then all your stuff is healed. Um, it goes deeper than that. But then the other side is, well, it's too hard. I can't even face that because there's a lot of stuff there. And while in a way that's true, it's so pow- it's like I, I get, I've never experienced this. You have but people say that, like, you kind of forget that childbirth was so painful. <laughs> and so you go back and have another kid like it's that's that's the kind of pain we're talking about. I it's painful yeah. in the moment. <laughs> it's painful in the moment and it's emotional, but what the results of it are so wonderful that. And you survived, right? Like you survived and you survive and you get stronger. Yeah. And you become more aware of those things every time they show up so that you just continue healing it. And then it starts to spread out into all areas of your life. And you start to become aware of like everything that shows up. Um, and so it's, it becomes almost fun in a way (laughs) to say that, like I said earlier, I had that, the stuff that happened earlier in the week with my own healing and I don't call it a low because even though it's like hard and I'm like, Oh my God, I have to do this and I'm going to cry. And this is painful. Like I'm like, Oh, but I'm going to feel great after this. (laughs) So kind of like being fully aware that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be as hard as maybe some people think think. it's going to be. And the result is is worth it, you know? And it's if like you find, and you exactly. Find, yeah. <laughs> and you find the people that you feel most like resonant with. So, you know, somebody who might have, if you feel like you really have a lot of trauma, then you find somebody that has a more gentle approach and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you're, you're not going at it too hard because it it's, you're not on any timeline to heal it. You're just trying to heal it. And any little bit you can do and take your time with it is, is going to shift things in your life. Everyone talks about finding their calling. And as you know, I'm a firm believer in what you said in the beginning, that everything happens for a reason. My Nana always used to say that as well. And recently I was listening to an interview with Matthew McConaughey, who said he believes that the arrow always finds the target, meaning that your calling is meant to find you. And obviously you do believe in this. So how further can you explain to people that this was meant to be your calling? So I've always been, I've always been pulled to it. Like I said, so I think a lot of times when we, when we find that purpose, that calling, we can actually then go back and very distinctly find times in our life where it's just kind of been like introduced to us or just little nudges. And I've had so many of those. Like I said, since I was a kid, I've just wanted to help people and I've known there's more. I'll give an example. When I was going through my 20s, I had had an awful breakup when I was in my early 20s after like a five-year relationship. And and then people kept telling me like, you should date. Like you're not dating because you're just scared. And I was like, no, I actually feel like I need Like I need to heal some stuff before I do this. And this is before I even started a healing journey, but I knew there was something that I had to do before I could actually 
go be in a relationship. I stayed single for like 13 years. I dated, but I wasn't like getting in any relationships. And that paid off because my relationship for the last five years is like the most conscious and like <laughs> nurturing relationship I've had with any person ever. And so, so I always knew that healing was like the key, <laughs> I guess, is, you know, to like that life that you want. And, and I always felt drawn to help people and to professions that would help people in different ways. And so, yeah, I think that I don't think of it as an arrow finding the target. I, again, look at it as like, or maybe like the target's covered up <laughs> and the arrow can't find it. And so you have to be open to receiving it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not open to receiving it, it's not going to find you. Mm -hmm. so, and open to change too, right? Like you could have mm -hmm. spent your career being a photographer or a teacher, yep. but at this point stage in your life, maybe you would have reflected on that and felt like an emptiness or a void or like something inside of you wasn't fulfilled because you didn't take that chance or that leap of faith and recognize yes. like, this is what I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. That can be really scary. I don't know. And I think, but I still think that like <laughs> energy with the, like going back to like the Reiki and mm -hmm. you're put on this path for a reason. I still feel like you're gonna find it. You're gonna even like sliding doors. The right, right, right. Doors. You're gonna find it. But the question is, are you going to, are you healed enough to take that leap? Yeah. yeah. And that's what enough? I, that, and yes. yes. Yeah. Are you healed enough you to, accept yep. to accept yep. it? To accept it. And when, and when do you accept it? Right. Like it might be much later, later in life. Yeah, exactly. And you could have done it earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you might yeah. be like on the merry ground and you like, you pass it. Yes. You, right. it. And you might You're keep like, passing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have gotten off earlier, but you weren't ready. Yeah. You weren't healed enough. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree Absolutely. with that. Yeah. Um, so ladies, should we transition to our what's in the box segment? Yeah. I'll show you with the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Nicole, I think you're familiar with this, but Linz and I always share like our funny online purchases that, that we make. And there's probably more of them than our husbands would like, but you know, we make money too. So it's okay. <laughs> Do you um, have any interesting or funny online purchases you want to share with our listeners? Maybe something ridiculous or something that just something made you happy. Like. Could make something that made you happy that was an impulse. Okay. I bought a lot of books recently. Um, That's always good. Mm -hmm. so, um, I did buy a piece of art of a goddess that like, she's a goddess like that's literally like, like our abundance um, to put in my little sacred space. Um, that's and that's so really beautiful. I loved that. And I, I will actually a book in case you don't know this book that I just bought is Man Enough. Oh, I Justin Baldoni. Have you read um, Untamed? Yes. So she calls this. She apparently did like the forward for it, I think, or something. She oh. was involved in it. And she said um, that it's basically the men's version version and like the answer to questions she poses. So I'm like super interested in reading it and then handing it over to my boyfriend. Like, yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So cool. I've um, heard really great things about it. Speaking of good books, mm -hmm. and this isn't my what's in the box, but um, <laughs> I am in the middle of the surrender experiment. Have oh. you read that? I have been told about it by a ton of people. And it is, and you would probably really like it, Nicole. It is, you would too. And after I finish it, I can loan it. Um, it's this guy who was in corporate America, mm -hmm. his business, something about like his business, he got entrapped and it wasn't his doing, but, and he was later found not guilty, but it goes back to him in college being very psychologically aware and that wasn't his um, calling of like the voices in your head of like judging or like he gave an example last night that I was reading. I was like, oh, here comes Mary. I don't really want to talk to Mary today. She bugs me. And like this whole thing in your mm -hmm. mind that you go through and he's like, does everybody else have this voice in my head? Am I just crazy? And why do we judge? Why do we judge? He goes, I know I am this person. I know Mary bugs me and I know she's coming towards me <laughs> and I know this. And so it's just about um, 
letting the whole thing is about letting go. And that mm-hmm. is why I had to get the book because I was like, okay, I need to mm-hmm. read this. This is my life lesson. I have to read as much about this as I can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so far so good. And I've heard that it's really good. And he's written like three or four books, but oh, cool. um, that is not my what's in the bo- box. But since we're talking about good books, <laughs> um, my what's in the box, I have your is so Liz and I always talk about how we are totally the uh market and demo for the Instagram targeted mm-hmm. ads. And we work in marketing. We should really be we better should, than that. We but we're should, not. We <laughs> and Maggie Q, the awesome mm. actress, like came up in my feed and she was talking about health and all this stuff and so I clicked on this video and it was a long one and I got sucked in and it was like a QVC like oh. type thing. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't on QVC, but it was like something you would see on QVC, mm-hmm. like Cindy Crawford's Meaningful Beauty. But it was about this, she's, you know, done the, she mixed Eastern and Western together for her superfood combo morning <laughs> ritual. Oh my God. So it will either give me diarrhea or it will oh be the God. best thing. Ever. Is it like something you put in like a, like a smoothie or is it a smoothie? It's a drink. It's a drink. Okay. But well, yeah. is it green? Sister. It's green. All right. Well, do not have any meetings or appointments before 11 AM. It's called when you start drinking that. It's called activated you. <laughs> oh dear. I have heard heard of this i've seen this before i have a hundred percent seen this before now that you said the name now when you see it you're gonna think of me she said 90 days or your money back well what happens after 90 days you like lose your colon like what what is she talking about if you don't like feel different and feel better you can send her the empty containers back and legit (laughs) she writes you emails all the time, Liz. She, she, yeah, she, <laughs> she is can, definitely writing those emails writing and she's only me. writing them to you. Okay. <laughs> you have a personal correspondence. And I can write her back if I want to. <laughs> Supposed to taste, like the biggest thing was the taste. I was okay. like, I am not eating barf juice. And it's like, because I had enough with the celery juice. Cloves. Right. And it was like, uh, tastes like tart green apples. And I looked okay. at all the reviews and it says that it does taste good. It looks like green poop, mm-hmm. as most green juices do. <laughs> and we'll see. It comes tomorrow. So right. I'll have to tell you. Well, I can't it. wait to hear all about it. Um, my what's in the box is not as intellectual as yours, Nicole, nor as Poopy. healthy, <laughs> quote unquote, as yours, Lynn. It comes to me courtesy oh, yeah. of my husband's most recent Amazon purchase. So a couple weeks ago, I don't even know how we got on this topic. He started at asking me if I remember taco flavored Doritos, which I don't. And he claims, okay. So he claims that like taco flavored Doritos were like all the rage when we were younger, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So he's like, he's like, do you think you could get them at, at brothers? I go, no, they only sell two flavors of Doritos at brothers, like the regular and the cool ranch. Yeah. And so then he goes onto the Doritos website. He goes, they still make them. And he was all excited, but the packaging of the taco flavored Doritos is like the 1985 packaging of yeah. Doritos, like the old label. I'm like, those are left from 1985. because yeah, nobody It probably them. is, <laughs> but he became obsessed with getting these Doritos as some like throwback nostalgia childhood thing. So I go into our Amazon account the other day to track something I had ordered and I see something he has ordered and it was two bags of taco flavored Doritos, a, an Xbox headset and nail clippers that were all coming in the same box <laughs> for her middle aged husband, for my 51 year old husband. And so like I screenshotted a picture of the order and I texted it to Lindsay and I was like, this is where I find out I married a serial killer. <laughs> That actually sounds Real. like my, my, my boyfriend. Um, that sounds like an order he would make. Right. <laughs> there we go. And the sad thing yeah, was, I wasn't sure if the headset was for him or one of our kids. It turns out it is for one of our kids, but it, it absolutely could, could have gone either way. Yeah. But he was like a kid in a candy store when he opened that box and he saw the taco flavored Doritos, which mind you were all crushed. 
But it was, I mean, it was total lunacy. I mean, I know some of my orders are, he's like, what is this? Like tanning oil for your face or a back, back massager? But like Doritos. That's normal. Yes. When Liz <laughs> sent me this, I was like, okay, now I'm scared. I know. We've had an all-time low. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Nicole, we are so glad that you were able to join us today. Yeah, this is awesome. And seriously so excited to have you and can't wait to share your information with our listeners because we know that there's quite a few out there mm -hmm. who would either want to use you for healing or photography or both. So we will put that information on our website and on our Instagram for people to find you. Um, thank you again for all yeah, of your so time thank you and your stories and your healing and just the great stuff that you've been able to do for other people I know. keep putting good stuff out in the world it's pr it's pretty amazing and uh, I get goosebumps every time you <laughs> tell me any of your stories so thank you again and for everybody else you guys can find us on iTunes Spotify and Instagram. So please um, rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you again for listening. And we'll hopefully talk to you next, soon. Next time. <laughs> Thanks, thank Nicole. You. Thank, thank you, you so again. much. Thanks.